for 12 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Good morning, all y'all. Welcome to Rosie on the House. It's it's the only pandemic-free zone you can come to every single week. The only thing you can catch, the only thing contagious at Rosie on the House are ear-to-ear grins, happy hearts, and positive attitudes. So we're welcoming you to our house so we can be that weekly recharge you need to shed the anxiety and the fears that the world may weigh down on you all week long. We're here the next two hours to talk about your two favorite things, you and your house. If you've got any project you're trying to tackle around your house, home, castle, or cabin, whether it's something to do with the foundation, the cabinets, the door hinges, the air conditioning, the rooftops, or the fireplaces, give us a call at the toll-free number, one 767 4348 My wife, Sweet Jennifer, will pick the call up, get your name, and we'll get you on air as quick as we can to answer your question and to use your question as a way to educate all the other folks that are tuning in and listening. We've been talking water, and that's really the topic this entire month. And I'd like to share with you all a little story that happened at the office just this past week about water, a hidden source of water that many of you may or may not be aware of being generated at your home every single day in the summer. I'm talking about the condensation of your air conditioner. In this high, humid season, your air conditioning job is to pull the humidity out of the air inside your home. Well, once it pulls that moisture out, it has to do something with it. It puts it into a basin connected to a pipe that goes to the outside of your house somewhere, and it drips. Now, Jennifer has posted to the Rosie on the House Facebook a video of how much water you should be seeing out of your condensate line right now. At my house, I'm harvesting 15 to 20 to 25 gallons of water every single day. My dogs love it. My lawn loves it. I use it to go, you know, my dogs use the lawn as their bathroom. So we've got brown spots in my beautiful Tiff lawn. So I use that water to supplement and rinse those areas and make the brown spots go away quicker. I use them to uh, add water to my compost pile. I add water to my cantaloupe vine and whatever else is growing in the garden. So here's a funny story about condensate. A normally jovial, friendly, older gentleman who's a regular listener of the show calls our office in a really sour mood 
just not at all what we're used to from this guy. And he's returned from a road trip where he was in Las Vegas for a week. And I think maybe, possibly, one source of his sour mood may have been what he invested in the profitability of those casinos up there. Maybe what he left on the table. And he walks into his home after driving home, 2.30 in the afternoon. And you open the front door of your house and you walk in with your little overnight suitcase and the inside temperature is the same as the outside temperature. Now, what's the first thought in your mind? I wish I hadn't lost so much money in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> this, this isn't going to be... This isn't going to be easy. And so he calls our office frustrated, um, starts asking questions about how much a new air conditioner is going to cost and should he go with the same brand because he's so aggravated because this brand uh, only had a 10-year labor and material warranty and now he was experiencing problems exactly at 10 years and one month. Oh, of course. So, so he, Never at so nine he, months, no, nine no, years no. and 11 months. So he was aggravated. His house was hot. He was aggravated with what he left on the table in Las Vegas. He was aggravated with the brand of air conditioning equipment, which had been doing a great job for his house for 10 years. He was aggravated with the service provider who's been out there regularly providing a, a service. And um, he was asking all kinds of questions. Well, do I, you like brand X or Y or Z? I'm not going to go back with this one. And I said, look, why don't you just let the service provider come out here and let's, let's see what's wrong. Okay, well, well, I'm waiting for him. I'm going to run down to the hardware store. I'm going to buy a room air conditioner, just start cooling off the bedroom. I said, okay, that's fine. Those are kind of handy to have anyway. You can always find a use for those. Well, he didn't have to replace the air conditioner. His service provider, he's been using for 10 years, came out and said, well, sir, you'll be happy to know uh, we've fixed your problem. And you can probably have this air conditioner for another 10 years. It was a plugged condensate line. So if your air conditioner can't bleed off all this water, there's an automatic shutoff so that it doesn't keep making water that's going to be causing a problem somewhere in your house. Depending on where your equipment's located, yes, right. this source of condensation could be right in your attic and all that condensation would be spilling over into your insulation and onto your roof and just saturating the interior. Yeah, a mess, a big mess. So you have an automatic shutoff valve. And that wasn't the only call we took this week where the condensate shutoff valve had shut the air conditioner down. So you need to regularly check it. And if your service provider is regularly checking it, the chances of it happening are slim, but it can happen depending on where your condensate is. Uh, a little dust storm blows through, uh, creates a little cross ventilation in your attic, uh, blows a little insulation into the condensate pan that gets wet, uh, that has to drain, so it's taking all of the sediment and debris that's landed in there, pushing it towards the drain hole. Lots of reasons it can happen. But uh, one story about condensation that you need to know about. And again, 
You ought to be seeing it. And you can go to Rosie on the House Facebook page. There's a live video right there of what your condensate should be producing right now. It should be producing a lot of water. Another thing about humidity. Some of you that have air conditioning systems, central air conditioning system, that you're not happy with. You still have hot spots in the house. So you put the fan motor on manual on and it runs 24 hours a day. In the dry season, that's a great way to overcome the design shortfalls of your system. But when the humidity gets this high, you've got to go over to your thermostat and turn the fan motor to automatic. You do not want that fan running 24 hours a day because it, when the compressor turns off and the fan keeps blowing, it's now going to take all the moisture it has sucked out of your house and it's going to blow it right back into your house. So your air conditioner has to do twice the work when the compressor comes back on. So monsoon season, the fan motor switch on your thermostat gets moved to automatic. You walk around and verify your condensate is dripping, and it's dripping a lot right now. And if you have pets, that's the equivalent of distilled water. And as it drips out of that line, it's cold. My dogs love the condensate water drip pan that we've got located in the backyard. That's their favorite water of all to drink. Well, why not? Distilled, chilled water. Don't you drink it. Let me, let me say that right now. That's not for human consumption. But it does work pretty good for the pets. <laughs> yeah, I might put that through one more water filtration unit. Absolutely. If, if you just still happen to need it for whatever reason. So don't, not, not quite the same as right out of the hose. Or RO. <laughs> it's not exactly RO. I learned two new things yesterday. After being a builder here for 40 years, you'd think I'd know all this stuff. But I'm still learning. I learned that at the Register of Contractors, there is a category of licensees that is exempt from having a qualifying party. I never knew that. Hmm. And when I reached out to the Registrar of Contractors, the director actually called me back on my cell phone. He said, Rosie, we've talked about this on air before. <laughs> I said, oh. oh, we have? It didn't stick. I missed that. The other thing I learned is we've got a school teacher in Sunny Slope that lives in a home that was built in the 50s. And sometime before she bought it, someone converted the carport to a garage without a, a permit. And it was done completely wrong. I called the city of Phoenix building department and I said, what are y'all going to have us do? And they said, well, we've got a program where for $150, we will send an inspector out to your house and give you an assessment of all those code questions you may have on projects others have done to your home. 
without a permit. And it's a field verification report for 150 bucks. Hmm. You know how many home visits that's going to save me from making next year? <laughs> I bet you that saves me 40 or 50 appointments. I think that I'm going to find out if all the rest of the cities do that. That's spectacular. That's about as good as a home energy audit. It is. Yeah, that's it, it really is. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, with this high humidity and the monsoon weather, some tick tips and tricks for keeping the pool as clean as you'd like it to be. Gonna be so cool, twisting by the, twisting by the, Have we ever twisted by the pool? I don't know. Lots of lots of running and tag and all that stuff, but not much twisting. Not much <laughs> twisting. No. Twisting was done by the time we started having kids. We want to talk about some tricks and tips for securing the purity of your swimming pool water in this time of year where generally it the pool becomes the highest degree of maintenance all year long. So I'm not going to participate in this conversation because then I'll be held accountable at my house for all the things I don't do at the swimming pool. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you. I would like to introduce you to the pool expert at the Romero household. That would be my wife, sweet Jennifer. She's the pool gal. Oh, so you're going to throw me under the bus. Oh, huh? well, you know, you do such a good job. I start talking about things you should do and not do. Um, Chances are it's going to be put back on my plate. I like the fact that it's on your plate. Ah, well, our writer <laughs> uh, started the article this week by saying it, it's not a DIY project, but I said, Susan, Rosie's told the whole world I'm his pool <laughs> girl. Yeah. So, you know, you can take care of your own pool. I know a lot of people who do. I will tell you, my pool looked really rough this week. I was at another friend's house yesterday, and they do their own pool, and it was green. And it probably cost me $450 worth of chemicals to get it back to where it needed to be. So, you know, if you, if you are taking care of your own pool, it's, it's like having a plant. You can't just leave it. You know, it has to be fed and cleaned and all that kind of stuff. It is, but it's, if you stay on top of it, it is not a huge job. And, you know, maybe it can turn on you so fast. It can. And this time of year, there's so much that comes in with the rain. So the, the green and the yellow algaes, they can pick up really quick. And the, the yellow algae, if you get it right away and get the right chemicals and, and brush, it'll keep it from going into, you know, the plaster or the surfaces of your pool. So all that being said, it's really important to have a little reader kit, you know, for the content of the water or... Like I do, I use my local uh, pool shop, and I take my water in there, and they say, oh, Jennifer, <laughs> you need a little this and a little that, and I'll say, load me up. So it is, you know, it is uh, nothing to be taken lightly. And the chemicals, you know, they need to be stored properly, cool, dry place, and, of course, you don't want them to be around your children or anything. So, you know, there's a little bit something to it, and if you don't want to have to worry about it, pool service is not that expensive, and then you don't have to think about it. And I always thought kids were the biggest problem around keeping a pool sanitized and clean. Then I came to the conclusion, no, it's grandkids. But now, as empty nesters, 
It really is dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even like to get in the pool. That's the funny thing. Man, no, I don't. I am not a swimming pool person. But we did find out something else about this. A simple thing for, for pools is, um, you know, if you have one of those little self-cleaning units that hooks to the, um, what do you call that? The skimmer drain. The skimmer. Uh, with hoses, flex hoses. Um, they can look like they're in good shape. But I think ours, I lost track of time when you were away um but i think those hoses are probably three years old and the the sun um diminishes the strength of them so you we tested our hoses for leaks and there were none but they were collapsing so the the motor was screaming for air (laughs) so it took us a while to find it though because that pinch was real way down in the skimmer so if your hoses are old it's a hundred bucks or so to replace the whole lot of them and then you don't have to worry about um you know, that happening. And I was talking about this dog situation to a good friend in the pool business. He says, he says, one clean dog in your pool is the equivalent of 12 humans. I said, well, my dog, 12 humans. Per one dog. Per one dog. Wow. And, And that's a clean dog. And when my dogs get in the pool, they're not clean. They're never clean. That's after they're digging through the oleanders and there's, they're leaving a little mud cloud, you know. But uh, wow, they uh, they kind of spend the afternoons getting out of that first level uh, stair, and they just kind of lay in there for a little while and get up, shake off, and go back to digging. <laughs> but one dog is equivalent to twelve. So. For all I've ever accused the kids and the grandkids of, I guess I have to just give it up, put that on the shelf. and. Well, I would like to refer back to the article because if you are looking for someone to do that for you, the article has some great resources and um, that you can go to websites to find reliable, well-trained pool people. And that article you can find on our website, rosieonthehouse.com. You can also find it if you're down in Green Valley in the Green Valley newspaper in the garden section. Preventing a murky green pool. Just one of the newspapers we contribute to across the state every single week. We'll be back. More talking about water. Stay tuned. Arizona at Sanderson Ford Country. Visit their website, sandersonford.com, and you can take a look at the opportunity to shop, to buy, finance, do the entire car purchasing procedure and event all online, and then have the car delivered to your house. Now, what could be easier than that now? I don't know that I'll ever buy a car that way. I like I like I like to touch them, feel them, sit in them. Uh, even though I buy the same car over <laughs> and over there, uh, Ford two fifty, Ford two fifty, white Ford two fifty, white Ford two fifty, white. The other thing you can do while you're on the website at SandersonFord.com is read the reviews of what other people are saying about Sanderson Ford. And I'm looking at that page right now. Raul, Robert. Kyle, Bud, Bill, Raymond, Alan, Art, Blake, Anna, Elizabeth, 
Charles, Tracy, Florin, Matthew, Barbara, Eva, Natalie. These are all, every one of them are five-star reviews that happened just in the month of July. They're not fishing through all of the reviews and raising up the five stars. This is everybody that shops at Sanderson Ford. 64 acres of beautiful new and used Ford vehicles. If car buying's on your to-do, it's got to be on Saturday. Sanderson Ford never open on Sunday. They are open now, and they have a great uh, inventory influx that they've been bringing in. We heard John Pratt this morning talking about the EcoBoost, yeah, uh, the Rangers, and the Maverick. I have yet to, to go spend any time <laughs> looking, and I want I to get some time to go test drive the new Ford Maverick pickup. You got your truck. eye on that one? Not really. Okay. I just out of curiosity. Okay. I, I don't know that it has any kind of towing capacity for horse trailers, so it wouldn't be of, of use. Okay. But, you know, like uh, we were talking pool service guys. I know a lot of pool guys, they use the Ford Rangers because the beds are lower to the ground. Yes. And they don't need any kind of step or ladder to get their tools and their, you know, brushes and their chemicals in and out. Um, so the, the Maverick could be in just a, it's in, it's even more affordable than the Ranger. So it could just be one more tool for, for our guys to use in the field. It's also coming out as a hybrid and they're claiming 40 miles to the gallon. Yeah. <clears throat> That's I, impressive. Too. That is very impressive. And a pool company could save some money on fuel. <laughs> Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale. Right now it's our nine o'clock hour, our all in the house hour. Talking about something on your home castle or cabin, and sometimes in your backyard. Pool care is the main topic of today's program. Um, and we try and spend the whole hour on it, but some topics, you know, a whole hour might be, you know, there, there's only <clears throat> so much you can say about pool care because it starts with, you know, each pool is different you got to start with your chemical tests of your water i remember doing that growing up you take out and they, do they even still do it this way it's probably changed over since you know 25 years when there's you guys definitely some improvements it. but it's they have the little strips you put in those are pretty easy little you just or the ph like, kit yeah you know, little, with the chemicals right yeah. mm -hmm. so you test your water and then you take that to the pool uh shop but isn't there um i heard some conversation shortages on uh, chlorine. There are because there was a very supplies. large fire in Texas at the chlorine, one of the chlorine plants. So there is a national. I have not felt it, but I'm sure people have. Then uh, one more di uh, disruption in the supply I know, right? chain. <laughs> of all things. Keeping the pool clean. And you know, one of the reasons that the edges of the swimming pool all sloped away from the pool is to keep surface water and rainwater to a minimum. You don't want all that contaminated water draining into your pool. And surface water management is another big topic that we had to deal with several times at the office this week. People sending us photos. Uh, and, and sometimes the patio homes and the condominiums, the higher density homes where the master plan development the developer uh, maybe underestimated how much surface water management would be necessary or your when you're in a tight fitting like that just your neighbor changing their backyard 
can have a big impact on what happens in your yard. Uh, so you have to be careful. We've got several pictures of a patio home in Scottsdale that's a solid concrete, sautia tile, uh, under about, looks like about three or four inches of water with nowhere for the water to go. And neighbor, neighbor to neighbor to neighbor, all with the same issue. That's how it was designed. Yeah. And then it's, I think it's against code just to sump pump water out, right? So, you know, uh, it is. You, you are, you, you should not be digging a hole and putting a sump pump and plumbing it to the front of your yard and dumping it out on the street. Um, but I will tell you that in my experience, I won't tell you which cities do this. I will just tell you, you should explore it in your own city. Some of the building departments recognize that many of the projects built in the seventies, eighties and nineties didn't properly account for how much water there was going to be. And some of those subdivisions, the only option to having the house flood every single significant rain is to dig a sump pump in the backyard and pump it to the front yard. And there are a couple cities I've personally talked to that say in certain subdivisions, we turn a blind eye to that practice because we know they have got no choice. I think so, sometimes, too, with neighborhoods, as time, you know, the neighborhood was established, people move out, people move in, and they have no idea. They haven't watched oh. a rain. And so that actually happened to us when we were young. We bought a home, and uh, it was it was just a long ranch-style home with a carport at the end. And we thought, wow, it'd be great to close this carport and have a garage. So the, the first big rain event after we did that, and the garage was at the west end, and it kind of sloped down. The whole house sloped to the east. That became Rosie's Dam. <laughs> and so the water came down the street and was had been designed to flow through the driveway and out to the street. But instead, it flowed into the garage and down into – Romy, I think you're too young to remember, but it flowed down each step of that little split home so that each – staircase was like a waterfall <laughs> so but you just don't know i don't know how you get ready for that rosie you know how you would know it happened to us in our current home too don't change anything uh and what happened in our current home was actually neighbor driven uh but we solved it uh d don't assume anything we we recently we're still involved in a remodel for a client uh in mccormick ranch right now where they were under this problem I mean, every time it rained, the water went out. The scuppers, a flat roof, the scuppers drained to the backyard, which was three feet wide and 40 feet long. No place for the water to go. No place. So we got our landscaping contractor out there, and we had uh, downspouts and gutters installed, and we excavated a very large dry well to create a space for the water to go. Now, it will get overwhelmed in huge flows. So then you take the terrain and you shape it to where it will drain out to the street. If your dry well is overwhelmed, 
then you've done what you can to solve the problem. How common are dry wells? Uh, not as common as they need to be. <laughs> what, what, what do they look like? If Well, they're invisible. All you see on the surface is a grill where the water enters. Uh, in this particular instance, it's right in the middle of a decomposed granite yard, and it's an 8-inch by 8-inch grill. In uh, concrete patios, you uh, saw cut an area out, you excavate it, uh, and there's there's a lot that has to go into it. It's not just digging a hole and diverting the water there. You've got to allow for it to seep and penetrate into the soil. But surface drainage can be a problem you inherit, and you don't even know it's your problem, like this particular home in McCormick Ranch, until as a new homeowner you move in and live through a rain environment. So, of course, in this last rain, uh, my production manager and my superintendent were both at that house watching exactly what went on during the downpour to make sure we had engineered something that would work for the homeowner, work for the city, and work for the neighbors. And it's a lot of work. There's a, an example of a neighbor I had out in Whitman. Somebody had built uh, four homes, pretty common. They bought five acres, subdivided into four lots, acre and a quarter. And this was a rectangle five uh, five acres. So when you would start on one side, you know, the houses all, were all in an acre and a quarter lined up down the street next okay. to each other. Okay. And the properties would go back. Well, he got the permit legally done, um, built the home. The fourth one farthest to the west was closest to the wash. And from all the excavation that was used when they were, you know, preparing the pads, um, what ultimately happened, a major rain came, and because of the way the new dirt was formed on the lot farthest to the west, we'll call that lot four, affected the wash that was on the west side of that. Well, it didn't go down the wash anymore. It diverted it Uh-oh. east, and it flooded the pool in lot three yeah. and completely uh, washed out the property line between the two and the end result of that after they went back to the flood control district to solve it, they redrew the floodplain and bulldozed lot four home. I came home. Boom. Earth, uh, demolishers just sitting on this pile of rubble that used to oh be a house. Goodness. Now they paid to relocate that family, but they didn't want to move, you know, but it came through rezone it. Sorry, floodplain. We're pulling the building permit demo in the house and, Here's the equivalent dollar amount of what your home's worth. Go find somewhere else to live. I think that could be a whole hour broadcast is just, you know, what is your recourse when someone does something that's approved like that? Um, I have a family member who has a beautiful home out in the desert and um, the city or county allowed a big storage unit to be constructed there. And this last rain event, she almost lost her home to flood. I mean, so... We're trying to work through that, but I think that'd be something people should be always be aware of when something's going in near you. Make sure everybody's done their due diligence. Water, water, and water. It's what we're covering in every dimension and every aspect in the great state of Arizona this month at Rosie on the House. So y'all stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. Be right back. And we've got Dino would like to ask a question about drainage. We'll take him.
one 4348 That's one 888 for you Dino and Chandler, welcome to the program. What are we working on today at your home, castle, or cabin? Hi, guys. I've got a kind of a major drainage issue on our on our one side of our house. We share have a shared property, and uh, a lot of the neighbors' rainfall is coming through the wall, the base of the wall, and onto our property since our property is lower than him. His uh, the original homeowner on his side installed a pool, and I don't think they got rid of all the dirt that, uh, off the property. They just kind of rearranged it. So his side is higher than ours, but it's supposed to be actually lower since the drainage to the street is towards his direction. And I've tried to work with him, but uh, he doesn't want to cooperate. And unfortunately, I'm dealing with the mess every time we get a hard rainfall like the last couple of weeks. Do you guys have any suggestions on next steps? I've tried to go to the HOA, and they said it's between us. So they don't want to get involved. Um, just worried about the wall having some structural damage long term. That's a shame the HOA won't step up and uh, take a position. Yeah. Because if your suspicion is correct that they retained the pool excavation to raise the level of their yard, um, I would I would be surprised if that wasn't a violation of the homeowner association articles of incorporation. Um, I think about all you're going to be able to do right now, Dino is, is get into the building department of Chandler and let them know what you're dealing with. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it may talk, take a, a phone call to an attorney. There are laws about what you can or cannot do to impact your neighbor. Uh, and it, it may take that kind of a conversation to get a couple people's attention to try and get the situation resolved. Unfortunately. We'll motivate them to find a solution before they're mandated a solution, because well, that's going to be a lot more expensive. That's that's a great way to 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 put it. So, sorry, sorry, you're dealing with that issue, but those are the steps we would take. And that's and and it's unfortunately how common this is. I can't tell you um, the number of property flooding issues we dealt with in the 90s and then in the 80s in Fountain Hills. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, as that property was being developed, they were changing the surface water flows of the McDowell Mountains uh, with every ongoing phase. And it took a bit of figuring out. Um, there were many, many, many work days spent in that beautiful neighborhood uh and they've got it all solved now but as it was being built um i would say city of scottsdale and the master plans uh developers of that community all learned a lot (laughs) (laughs) they learned a lot so water we've been trying to cover it from every single direction we even got some pictures this morning from friends in tucson who were sharing with us what was happening down there and the surface water that was running everywhere. Apparently, Tucson had a nice little event here this morning. And I've got a story here. It feels like Rachel should be part of this. It's been a long time since we've talked toilet technology. Uh, But this is a new toilet that uses a vacuum pump to reduce the water use. 
that's just, pressure. That's, pressure, baby. <laughs> that's just the first part. Yeah, okay. This is South Korea. Uh, Professor Chow Jane Won invented the BV toilet. And with the reduction of water, it takes the deposits that you put into it, breaks them down, and turns them into methane, which uses to as an energy source to power this college building, power a gas, the gas stoves, water heater, and solid oxide fuel cell, which I'm not exactly sure what that is. And then it pays you. So the average person deposits about 500 grams a day, which can be converted to 50 liters of methane gas, which would be enough to drive an electric car about three quarters of a mile. And so you check in when you go to deposit and you get paid with Jigul currency. It's a digital currency that students can then use to buy items on campus using a QR code such as coffee, books, noodles, fruits, etc. That produces more deposits. This is exactly why I never go along with doomsday strategies. It's because of human ingenuity like that. Uh, student says, I only ever thought of this as dirty, but now it's a treasure and great value to me. I even talk about it during meal times now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So how long before we see something like that in the States? If it works, I don't imagine it'd be very long at all. No, I can't imagine. So Paying like, college students to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> or... Ch- Follow the money. Converting converting a daily activity into something that helps you purchase um, books and and meals. And And reduces water consumption. And if we can get cows to use that, think about the methane we can collect there. (laughs) Mm. Or Salt River Dump. They're always burning off methane. They are. Capture it. They're they're actually harvesting the methane being produced by the the composting of the landfill. Uh, Another, another... Very, very persuasive argument for the ingenuity of mankind. Going into our 10 o'clock hour, open lines, open home, whatever you want to talk about, your home, castle, or cabin. Get on the line now, one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you. Jennifer's waiting to screen your call. Text questions can be sent to 411 923 or you can email us at info at rosyonthehouse.com.